Yes, I, I thought maybe we should actually start. Thank you. We, uh, I think we can, we can proceed, Chair. Okay, okay. No, I, I think what we may have to do is actually just um, maybe pick up on those administrative issues which you want to talk to us about yes, before sir. we actually put up the agenda. Yes. Because obviously there are actually developments which got us to today's meeting and the agenda of the meeting, which will talk to it. Maybe on the administrative issues, I can ask you just to pitch, speak to us about that. No problem, Chair. Yes. Hi, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Chairperson, just before I see some unnamed devices on the on the group. Oh, okay. Um, are we uh, are we letting uh, people in who've been invited to the group, or is everybody okay, named? Do, maybe. Yeah, let's do this first, and maybe Andre. Uh, what's important is just to say. Can we just account for the members of the committee and just to make sure that we're speaking to the meeting that is constituted and yeah. uh, maybe actually run through that first yeah, oh, no uh, problem. before we look at that here. So let, let's say that um, uh, Honorable Hammonds, uh, the point you're raising, there might be actually additional connection over and above the committee members. I'm sure there is actually profile and uh, scope yes. on yes. the side of the secretariat to look at that. So let's actually check if ever we have all the members of our committee connected present Chair, in the meeting. If I may proceed, Chair, we have yes. the 10 members who have indicated their presence today. We have one apology, Chair, Mr. Cuthbert is not, uh, um, he's on paternity leave, so he's, he will not be joining us today. But all 10 other members are present of the committee. If members see other names on, on the list, it is an open meeting, so the, the link may have been sent by other people to them, and also we've invited other people who indicated they want to be part of this particular meeting, Chair. So with, shall we proceed with calling members' names, Chair, to, to confirm their presence, Chair? Please, please. Mrs. Hermans? Hermans. Present. Mr. Mbuyani? Mbuyani. Mbuyane, uh, maybe he's moving, uh, yeah. but you, you, you have him connected? Yes, Chair. Mr. McPherson? McPherson. Uh, sorry, present. Okay. Mr. Mulder? I'm present, Chair. Present. Okay. Mr. Mantashe? Mantashe? I did hear, was talking to her earlier. Yeah. Montasha? Okay. We'll move to Ms. Mwatsi. Mwatsi? Present. Ms. Yaku? Present. Ms. Mutahum? Mutahum? Present. Okay. And Mr. Thring? Present, uh, yes. Okay. So we, we do actually have uh, those members connected um, and uh, available for, for us to start the meeting. So, uh, Honorable Hermans, can I just check, because I think on the uh, uh, names or the, the connection you see, I'm not sure if ever the issue of concern, you'd like to pursue that or you're comfortable with what the Secretary just said. Hermans? 
Now, if the secretariat is uh, is uh, is um, endorsing the list of people that are on the group, I'm comfortable, Chair. Okay. All right. So I think the core part of the meeting is covered because members of the committee do make a quorum for us to yeah. be able to proceed. Mm -hmm. Can I ask Secretary then to speak to those uh, administrative issues you want Chair, to raise? Just on the issue of the at the last meeting on the 19th, we had the NCC and we couldn't conclude our engagement with them because of the time constraints. The NCC has submitted their written responses to us, Chair, and I have forwarded to every member uh, um, um, a, a copy of the written submissions. So I just want to put it on the record. They did submit, so it will reflect in the minutes that they submitted their um, um, written responses as agreed to by the committee of on yesterday. So all members have it. And then, Chair, members will also have the, the budget vote report for, for after the meeting. We will engage on that matter. Um, um, so they will have that. Also, just to alert members, there are some changes to the program. I think we shall probably speak to you at the end or on, on Thursday, we can speak to the changes to the program going forward, Chairperson. Okay. But those are the issues that I thought I'll just address before we proceed with the substance of the meeting. Yeah, so let me just say it, it also speaks to today's meeting because we had actually a presentation that we were yeah. supposed to process. But I think uh, we actually have had uh, Minister uh, actually coming through, which I think the committee members uh, have uh, prioritized and have actually engaged in the previous meeting about that. Maybe a, a small one, um, the apology which I've received, um, which you actually confirmed as well. Um, I think for honorable members, it's such an important point. Uh, it's paternity leave. I'm not sure if everyone is familiar. You have maternity, paternity. For my part, it actually has to do with the parental rights agreement, which we should have. And can I ask all the members, don't phone uh, Cuthbert. He is <laughs> in a very special place. And I've actually advised him not to open up his phone, no WhatsApp, no laptop, because it's quality time. From yesterday to till the, the end of the month, I think we, we actually wishing well. It's a new member of the family joining, uh, which I think it's a very important thing, and we congratulate him for that. And I think those are precious time we want members not to waste. So it's very important. Can we then proceed to, 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 to the part of our program, the agenda, honorable uh, uh, members? If you can screen your agenda. Uh, Secretariat. Uh, Margo, just the agenda, please. We do have uh, the uh, adoption of the agenda. Uh, it's actually about the input of the minister. And there's questions and answer session. It will be connected to the previous discussion we had. Remember, we had the DG and the deputy ministers. Uh, questions and issues that came up will engage on that. The consideration of the first draft of our budget is what the secretary has raised as well. So those are the two main items. Can I actually ask that uh, then we get the members to uh, adopt the agenda for our discussion to follow? Andre? 
Chair, just to 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 um, the minister also indicated that he's requested to leave at ten to two because he has a two o'clock meeting he needs to attend to. So the minister will will engage the committee until ten to two, Chair. Okay, because we are immediately going to have a, a minister before us engaging. So mm -hmm. I think um, we we would actually note that. Thank you very much, Ms. Mutahun. Come again, Ms. Mutahun wants to move, Chair. Oh. Honorable Mutawu. Thanks, Chair. I move for adoption of the agenda. The uh, agenda adoption moved. Is there any second? Uh, Chair, sorry. Just, Chair, just, uh, just a string here. Just before we, we do that, um, I did not see the presentation from ITAC. Is, is there a change to, or we're not supposed to be looking at that presentation today as well? Uh, Secretary? Chair, at the, at the meeting on Friday, the committee agreed if the minister is available, we will make space for the minister to 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 present to 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 speak to the committee. ITAC will be rescheduled for the narrative. If you look at my communication, email and SMS, I indicated that we will reschedule ITAC chair. So we okay, ITAC I will not take, yeah. I, I so honorable that. honorable thing, we're moving today's meeting to Thursday because we're having the, the minister with us today, as okay. the committee really emphasized we should. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, Mutaun did move adoption. Chair. Yes, Hammonds. Chair, Chair, just to clarify, I, the uh, correspondence from the secretariat did not indicate that we'll consider the ITAC, ITAC uh, uh, item on Thursday's agenda. Maybe if they can confirm that, but uh, after that explanation, I will then uh, second the adoption of the agenda. Thank you. Okay. Thank you Chair, very much. Yes. If I may, Chair, we, ITAC will not be on this coming Thursday. It will be next Tuesday because yeah. the technical institutions, the three CEOs that we are getting put together for Thursday's meeting. So ITAC will be next Next Tuesday, Chair. That will be the, that I mentioned. There's some change to the program, and I wanted to address that almost at the end of the meeting. But okay. ITEC will then be next Tuesday, Chair, not this okay. coming Thursday, because we keep this Thursdays as as was scheduled. Okay. No, that's fine. Can we then actually, uh, uh, with that secondment of the adoption of the agenda, is there any objection? In the absence of the objection, can you allow me to invite the minister to speak to us? An honorable minister, welcome. Uh, we, we did actually have last Friday the discussions with the ministry, and we did actually have the deputy ministers and the DG uh, speaking to the issues that you would actually be picking up on and taking us through. So can I allow you the floor, uh, Minister, welcome you, and thank you very much. And I hope you get stronger. I heard that your voice is quite okay. And uh, we would really actually make sure that you actually stay roadworthy, uh, because there's a long road that you have to travel. Minister, floor is yours. Welcome. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, good afternoon. to the uh, officials uh, of the department who have joined us uh, and I know both deputy ministers are in the process of being connected 
so, so really a good afternoon to, uh, to everyone. First, let me start, uh, Chairperson, by thanking you uh, and the committee for uh, accommodating my absence at the last meeting of the Portfolio Committee and for the good wishes that I received after the last meeting from a number of members. Uh, thank you very much. There were text messages, some uh, members uh, called, and I really appreciate that. Uh, I'd also like to, uh, to thank uh, Deputy Minister Majola and uh, Director General Lionel October, who took responsibility to do the presentation at very short notice and uh, they did a great job and I must say that they had very limited time uh, to prepare uh, with uh, me being unable to attend. So thank you to them. I should also before uh, turning to the to the matters before the committee say that I've just heard now about Honorable Cuthbert's uh, paternity leave and I would like to uh, uh, extend my warm congratulations to him uh, for uh, uh, the new uh, addition to the family. And uh, it's always a joyful occasion, uh, a birth, uh, and, and what, uh, what it means not only to a family, but to all of us. I remember uh, in uh, my previous uh, life as a trade unionist, uh, many, many years ago, uh, we first raised the idea of maternity leave uh, for women who were pregnant, because at the time, women were fired when they, uh, they took off for pregnancy. And after much negotiation, uh, businesses began to agree to maternity leave. And when the system settled, we, uh, we went back to the bargaining table and we raised the issue of paternity leave. And I remember the look of shock in the eyes of so many managers. What is this idea of paternity leave, they asked us, and uh, they were outraged at it. Fortunately, society moves on, progress is made, uh, businesses agree to paternity leave, we sign those agreements, and uh, uh, after the advent of democracy in 1994, we embedded those in our labor laws and South Africans today have protection uh, from uh, unfair dismissal uh, in instances of maternity and paternity leave. And so Honorable Cuthbert should really enjoy the time with the family. Uh, it's a very special time. It's one that all of us remember uh, for the rest of our lives. I've been briefed, uh, Chairperson, on the outcome of the uh, the discussion, the last committee meeting on Friday, and uh, I, uh, I understand that in addition to making the presentation, both uh, Deputy Minister Majola and DG October uh, very uh, kindly also took a number of questions, and they responded to some of the questions and indicated that uh, there were some that they believe would be would helpful for me to uh, have an opportunity to respond to. So I, uh, I think it, uh, uh, it, it's uh, uh, really appreciated that I have this moment now uh, to respond to the specific questions raised at the meeting, to provide some additional comments on the matters that were put in the presentation that we prepared, um, but also perhaps to elaborate a little bit on it. 
in light of the address by the president on Sunday evening, which of course came after the, the session uh, with uh, the committee. I should reflect that uh, the last committee meeting was only Friday past. And since uh, the, the data that we had tabled at that meeting that reflected the extent of infections and fatalities, people who died, uh, the number of infections have grown further and the number of people who passed away too very sadly have grown. Uh, I am advised that since the last committee meetings, so I'm taking the Thursday data before the Friday session of the committee, uh, something of the order of 112 uh, people have uh, passed away very sadly. And I'm sure uh, the committee would want to join me in passing condolences to the families. It appears that on that Thursday night before our committee meeting, a two-day-old baby had also passed away. There have been stories of other young persons uh, who have uh, uh, been infected. And I heard a, sto a story on, on the radio about a nine-year-old boy that had passed away. What it does, these statistics, is they underlie the importance and seriousness of the issues we're dealing with. It's about saving lives and protecting livelihoods. Being able to do both of those, to, to uh, have South Africans who place their, their trust in public representatives, that we do everything in our power to save lives because human life is sacred uh, and also to respond to the need to protect livelihoods. And, uh, and I hope that in the period ahead, we can do, uh, a, a, do much more uh, on both fronts. It's a careful balance that we need to strike as we open up. That on the one hand, we need to have a vigorous uh, economy to generate wealth and resources and create jobs, because those are critical in the fight against COVID-19. And at the same time, to, uh, to do so in a manner that does not uh, result in, um, in uh, the unavoidable deaths in people who otherwise uh, would be with us uh, passing away. We've learned from other countries. One of the honorable members uh, raised the question previously whether we are learning from the experience of others. And that's been one important area of focus, trying to see what has worked elsewhere in the world, what has not worked, what can we learn? And uh, the, the, the speech by other important shift, the shift from a period of our risk uh, approach that was focused on keeping as many people at home, encouraging everybody to stay at home so that we don't move the virus around, that the vectors of transmission are limited and reduced. Uh, and we've gone from that and we've shifted now to making the workplace themselves safer. I guess one could say from uh, strict regulation in the early days when we needed to massively dampen down 
the, uh, the transmission, the spread of the virus, the speed with which it's spread uh, to a more flexible and collaborative approach. And the question really uh, could be asked, why, why have we made the shift? And the shift, uh, honorable members and chairperson, has been made because uh, on the one hand, we've now had a consistent uh, set of evidence that the inflection curve has been flattened. We've not uh, been able to eliminate um, the spread of infection. In fact, honorable members will know that the, uh, the level of infection is rising. But the peak point of that uh, infection, the point at which there would be the greatest pressures and stresses on the healthcare system, has out by, it appears, at least a few months. And that gives us greater opportunity uh, to do uh, more on the opening of the economy. There's also more knowledge uh, in society among South Africans, young and old, about the danger of the virus and about the need for us to take uh, individual steps from wearing of a mask to sanitizing regularly to doing all the other things, maintaining social distance. There's been progress with businesses. Uh, we've worked closely with a number of businesses and they've introduced uh, measures at the workplace that have assisted uh, to, uh, to mitigate and to, to manage uh, people traveling and people being at work. We've had, I guess one could say, a trial run of thousands upon thousands of workplaces. More than 100,000 workplaces had already introduced a range of measures. And uh, in the early days, uh, and even as recently as last week, they were working with us to see how they can improve those measures. In addition to that, We've had progress with strengthening our healthcare system. Some of it has been in the public healthcare, others have been in private health. But one of the most important areas has been a greater capacity to form partnerships. Uh, we've used the space that was created now in the, uh, in the regulations after I had issued the uh, exemption in terms of the Competition Act for public and private healthcare providers to, uh, to collaborate. We've also had businesses in, in some cases stepping forward and helping, and, and they include what the president had outlined in his speech on, on Sunday, Volkswagen in the Eastern Cape, using an un, unused part of the factory and beginning to set up uh, uh, what will eventually be 4,000 beds that would be available for people who need treatment. It's not the only company. Uh, Isuzu has also assisted by making available uh, their engineering and, um, and maintenance teams, and they've gone into public hospitals, refurbished it, uh, uh, improved the workflow, and ensured that we can get more people at work um, uh, who are infected. They are able now to be, to be uh, cared for in the public health system. And these are just a few examples uh, that, uh, that I can give in the discussion uh, with uh, the auto sector uh, about a week ago. Uh, they indicated to me a number of other measures like that. And finally, we've made progress with securing uh, some critical stocks that are required and uh, expanding 
the level of screening and testing uh, in the society. So using all of this, it's given us a greater level of confidence that we can now move to a, to a more flexible uh, approach. And one that still requires a significant focus on uh, uh, containing the virus, but with a, a bigger range of tools. Early on, we needed to use one blunt tool, which is uh, a strict lockdown. It's very effective in containing the virus. But because it's a blunt tool, it also causes collateral damage. It has uh, an effect, a very uh, uh, significant effect on the economy. And we now have a, a set of sharper tools that are available. As we reopen, and the president outlined the framework for the reopening on Sunday night in the next uh, day or so, we hope we would be able to, uh, to, to make the, the regulations available and uh, the full extent of uh, what would apply at different, um, uh, in different instances would be, would be clearer. But Honorable uh, uh, Mantash asked the question at the last meeting that I missed, which is can the regulations uh, enable hot food uh, to be available through drive-throughs and, uh, and measures like that? In fact, Honorable Mantash should indicate that uh, that we've made good progress that uh, that hot food should now be enabled more widely and uh, that uh, it would not only be for instances of drive-throughs and curbside delivery, but more generally uh, hot foods subject to sanitation uh, and, and health protocols would be available uh, much more widely. It would include that the bigger uh, and small takeaway stores would also be able to open. None of this would be for sit-down purposes, but it would be for delivery so that people are able to consume the food uh, at home. Honorable Yako asked and pointed to the challenges that the furniture industry faces. Now, that's a, it's a very labor-intensive sector. It's one that's important uh, in the economy. And it is one where we're trying to deepen the level of localization. And uh, in the new framework that has been uh, announced by the president, uh, furniture factories as well as furniture stores would also be opening. So I, I make those comments because uh, the shift to level three, uh, what one we would regard as an enhanced level three, is a very significant reopening. It would enable something of the order of seven to eight million additional workers to return to work. And with that comes, uh, on the one hand, greater economic activity, more goods and services that are produced, which will help to uh, get the economy going, uh, grow our GDP, and uh, begin the slow process, but important process of repairing the economic damage that our country and so many economies across the world uh, are facing now. At the same time, on the other end, if we have as many people re-entering the economy, there are new risk points. So we're working hard with industry and, uh, and with trade unions to see how we can reduce the risks that uh, South Africans will be exposed to in this period. They are risks at the workplace, there are risks in public transport, 
in public places like shopping malls and elsewhere, uh, in each of these areas, and of course in social activities. So uh, uh, we'll all have to work very closely together to, to ensure that the, the shift is done uh, as smoothly and successfully uh, as, as we can do it. In the course of last week's discussion, uh, a number of members commented, I'm advised on the importance of personal protective equipment. I'm told that uh, Honorable Yako raised the issue as well as Honorable Mbuyani. And as we shift to level three, this becomes even more important. When you stay at home and um, and you, you're only with your family, the importance of personal protective equipment is for those limited instances when you leave the house. But as we all now begin to prepare for level three, where we will, on a daily basis, most South Africans uh, will be uh, leaving their home for work uh, and uh, an increasing number of people for other uh, activities relating to, to shopping and, and uh, obtaining medical and other uh, support. The barrier that we, we, we have of our house is removed. And so the barrier that we need to create around ourselves is with personal protective equipment. So to both honorable members, you've, you've I think, put the spotlight on, on this issue. And an important tool in our fight is therefore to expand this uh, personal protective equipment, PPEs, not only for society at large, but also in particular for healthcare workers. Traditionally, before the COVID crisis, we've had several local manufacturers uh, of uh, medical uh, personal protective equipment. But these were modest numbers because the market demand was limited. And since the lockdown, uh, we've had to go to those manufacturers and say, how can we help you to expand your production? And we've had to, to work with other companies that don't produce personal protective equipment and say to them, what can you do to repurpose your business so that you are, are able, in fact, to produce these kind of um, uh, necessary goods? We now have more than 20 producers that have not traditionally made PPEs for the medical field or are currently uh, in production or about to get into production. And that's helped us to boost the, uh, the quantity of products that we have available. And I'd like to talk through that at the moment. But they include a range of products like um, what the committee uh, had spoken of previously, masks, but also surgical gloves and gowns and scrubs. And increasingly, we're looking at the issue of ventilators. On gown manufacturing, to, to illustrate that, uh, we were able to work with the existing manufacturers to ramp up the manufacture of this year in South Africa from about uh, 600,000 units a month uh, by an additional uh, 1.4 million units a month. So this is quite a significant step up in what needs to be done. Of course, the most visible symbol of the PPEs are the face masks. And the most significant part of the face mask is to make sure that medical personnel have these specialized uh, masks, uh, what 
is loosely called surgical masks. It would be uh, some uh, honorable members would have, would have spoken in the past about the N95 masks or the FFP2 masks. And at the beginning of the lockdown, honorable members, we had six manufacturers who were producing about six and a half million masks a month. Uh, and we've been steadily increasing this number. And by June and July, uh, as some of the machines that have been ordered from abroad uh, land in South Africa and they test it and they, they put to full production, that number is going up. In fact, every month now in May, we're already significantly uh, higher than we were uh, at the start of the lockdown. And we, we're looking by July to have uh, be producing more than 10 million masks a month uh, and uh, with uh, additional manufacturers uh, coming online. Some of these would be producers like U-Mask, which I'm uh, advised is owned and run by uh, young black entrepreneurs. There are other South African-owned companies like Greenline and Quality Safety and a company called North Safety and Respitec. There are also uh, South African affiliates of large global companies because we're also looking at the expertise that exists elsewhere. And so a company like 3M, which is uh, a, a company that is present in many markets across the world. In addition to the surgical masks, which of course is, is very important to what we do, uh, we also have focused on the production of uh, face masks that are made of cloth. And uh, I have reached out to the clothing industry uh, early in the lockdown to say that we needed to, to have the, the production capabilities of our shop floors repurposed. And they've done uh, an excellent job in, uh, in starting up again. Today, more than 400 uh, small companies and large firms uh, say that they are ready to produce uh, cloth face masks. Many of them are already producing it, and honorable members are no doubt buying some of these in the, in the retail outlets. And as they ramp up, uh, they will soon get to the ability to produce about 60 million masks a month. So those production lines are already running and people have sent me photographs of workers at work uh, stitching uh, these, uh, uh, these masks. And uh, in addition to, of course, producing the masks, they also generate an income during the lockdown for workers and for manufacturers uh, while the economy uh, uh, gets ready for, for level three. Uh, so so I, I think that the point that has come up from honorable members that we need to make sure that we focus on local capabilities is important. Of course, the DTIC job is principally to help support and facilitate the production. There are other critical areas where the National Department of Health and National Treasury is working on the procurement policies to, to buy these products and get them into our public hospitals and retailers are, are placing orders directly uh, with uh, uh, companies in the industry so that when we go to our shops, uh, we are able to buy these masks. So I, I, I've taken a bit of time, honorable members, to take one example and to say 
that's the, the level of detail that we need to, to, to put in place to be able to address uh, the, the work that needs to be done. Incidentally, while I focus particularly on PPEs, it's as important to ensure that the basic supply of food and medical uh, uh, equipment and um, medical supplies are also available. And so I've just given a, 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 a details a snapshot on one area. Within the next few days, we will be providing publicly more details of the work we've done to produce a, um, a, a local uh, set of uh, uh, CPAPs, which is a kind of uh, ventilating machine. There's a range of machines that are used from the ambu bags to the uh, nasal cannula to the uh, CPAPs, right through to the more invasive ventilators that are used when uh, patients get to the, the ICU. And uh, I have, in fact, uh, uh, one prototype that uh, the technical team has been looking at, and they sent me a sample of it, uh, which um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm just uh, indicating to the committee, but we'll make more of the detail of this available publicly as soon as we've gone through all the processes uh, of, um, of identifying the, uh, the bidders that will be producing uh, the products. I, I want to turn next to the, the fact that uh, the medical and PPE areas is, as well as food production, is, is one part of a health response, but they're also an economic response. And so opportunities to localize is very important, particularly to give smaller businesses an opportunity to come into production uh, because that enables more of the resources uh, that we, ha we have available in the state to, to be, to be uh, available more broadly. It helps our broader transformation goals because we want to build an inclusive economy, even in a difficult period like this, economic inclusion and transformation is absolutely critical. And of course, we want to make sure that uh, we get money circulating uh, in local communities as actively as possible. The economic impact of the, uh, the pandemic uh, has been a feature of discussion. Uh, a number of honorable members uh, raise questions. I um, am uh, advised that uh, Honorable Mulder, and thank you, Honorable Mulder, for the good wishes that you conveyed. I appreciate that. That Honorable Mulder was uh, quite concerned about the impact of the lockdown on the economy, and uh, he wanted to, to uh, 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 ensure that we know that there's a dynamic link between the reopening of the economy and the ability to deal with poverty and hunger. Uh, and it's uh, something that uh, I think we will all share. And Honourable Mulder, I'm sure, would have been would have taken careful note of the comments by the president that indicates that we've gone for a, a very significant reopening of the economy. In the course of uh, that discussion, Honourable McPherson had also raised the issue around the impact on uh, GDP, and he referred to what I would assume to be uh, a media article on uh, what was called uh, uh, thumb sucking, 
uh, of the economic impact. And I want to um, uh, perhaps uh, mention to honorable uh, members present here today that we constantly update the forecasts and projections on the economic impact from day one. It was clear to us that this would have a very, very uh, significant impact on the economy <clears throat> that uh, a pandemic of this nature would cause significant economic devastation. And the only question has been uh, what the scale was of it and which sectors of the economy would be most immediately affected. And some of these matters, of course, came up. Uh, I should uh, also point out that in the presentation at the last meeting, we tabled additional information on uh, projections on uh, the GDP. And there's no question that the, the impact will be very significant. Uh, it's regrettable that the article uh, that the honorable member referred to uh, perhaps did not uh, uh, fully or adequately capture the comments that we had made. And uh, I would uh, be happy to send uh, the honorable member the letter that was sent to the editor of the newspaper subsequently uh, by the department spokesperson, uh, which uh, set out and corrected uh, the matter. And uh, uh, the letter also indicates that, uh, in fact, uh, I was uh, given a, a set of uh, propositions. One of it is that the lockdown costs 13 billion rand a day. And of course, uh, the question is, how does one get to 13 billion rand a day? And it was done uh, simply by taking the size of the GDP and dividing it by 365 days a year. And in the letter, I think we make the point that that's simply a guesstimate uh, that does not take into account that key sectors of the economy were working during the lockdown. And that uh, accordingly, the story did not contextualize the reply adequately. But I think aside from, from those kind of important caveats, if the question is, will the pandemic have a very, very significant impact on the economy? The answer is an unequivocal yes. In South Africa and in the rest of the world, we've seen now the numbers uh, being produced elsewhere on the economic devastation Many have said that this will be the sharpest downturn in the global economy since at least the Great Depression of the, uh, uh, the 1930s that was um, triggered by the, uh, the, uh, warm, uh, the uh, very significant problems uh, in Wall Street in 1929. And, uh, and subsequently, of course, that was transmitted to the real economy across the world and it led uh, to a, uh, a reduction, not just a slowdown in economic uh, growth, but a massive reduction in, uh, in global wealth. And, uh, and respected economists across the world are saying that we've got to brace ourselves for something uh, of a similar magnitude. So we, we're looking constantly at this to see what the, what the position is. In two minutes, in, in two minutes, Minister will allow then the engagement 
by the members. Two minutes. To Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. So perhaps let me then link it to another question that was asked. And that question is about uh, trade. And I would like to say that uh, from our point, one of the most critical things is to ensure that uh, as we resume trade, that we deepen our own le levels of localization. Cuthbert, uh, <coughs> not with us today, had raised the question uh, at the last meeting about a statement that some WTO members had um, put together on global supply chains, and he had asked why South Africa had uh, not been a signatory to the statement. And very briefly, in the remaining few minutes, I would like to indicate that uh, the majority of WTO members have not uh, signed that statement. And we've taken the view uh, as countries on the African continent that we're working on a statement which uh, provides a more developmental approach that in a period like this, uh, countries have to prioritize local jobs, local industry, and to do so uh, in instances where human life is affected, such as with uh, the production of uh, critical medical supplies and food supplies, and that our key responsibility now is to the immediate uh, neighbors and our own citizens. So we're working closely with other African countries in dealing uh, with these issues. Perhaps, uh, uh, Chairperson, as I round off, uh, in the course of the discussion, I know there were a range of other issues that came up on transformation, on protecting jobs, on economic uh, stimulus and localization, matters of e-commerce and stakeholder engagement, uh, as well as concerns about what is the rationale uh, behind uh, many of the, the regulations uh, and thinking of government. I would be happy to, um, to share uh, thinking with us, with the committee. I'm going to pause now, Chair, so that there can be an opportunity for some, uh, uh, some engagement. And um, if you would be kind enough to, to let me then come back to some of these issues uh, in a few minutes, uh, having, having heard some of the comments of committee members uh, that would, be, would help to sharpen the, uh, the questions that have been put to me. So I recognize some additional questions have been asked. I'm ready to, um, to share with the committee those thoughts, but in view of the time, I'm going to pause here and come back to them. Thank you, Chair. Wonderful. Thank you, Minister. Can, can I ask uh, Andre? Sure. I'm sure I'll see the hands raised by members. We can just go through the sure. list. We have Mr. Mbuyani at the moment, Chair, and Ms. Mutahung, Chair. Okay. Let's have uh, Mbuyani. Honorable Mbuyani, it's unmute and talk. Okay. Can I actually then ask uh, uh, Mutahung? Thanks, Chair, and good, good afternoon, Minister. Uh, I would like to thank the Minister with a very informative briefing. I have only one question, Minister. Has the government monitored the infection rate in any sectors of the economy? And how does this compare to general population? Thanks, Chair. Okay. Um, Boyan, are you connected? 
if not, can I just check from Secretariat? Is there any other hand coming out? No other hand at the moment, Chair. We can proceed with the Minister's response, Chair. Okay. Chair, the Secretariat has missed my hand. Oh. Yeah, there's there's quite a number of people that have pointed out in the chat that they want to speak. Please, I didn't, if ever you can just, uh, if, if the secretary missed it, please uh, just help him so that we can do yeah. it. I pick up Hermans and um, um, McPherson. But uh, uh, can I just check yeah. with you, secretary, what's happening? Chair, there appears to be a challenge with my chat. I don't pick it up, Chair, but I'll, I'll okay. speak to ICT section, Chair, to address okay. it because I don't, I don't see it on my side, Chair. Okay, for now, I think we, I picked up... Uh, uh, um, Ms. Mc, uh, Mr. McPherson and Ms. Hermans. And Tring. Tring. In that order. Hermans. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Minister, for that briefing. And we are very happy to see that you are well on the road to recovery. Uh, we must all look after ourselves in this uh, trying times that we are going through. So we pray for a healing hand on you and all committee members. Um, we see, Minister, some incidents of grandstanding by some committee members uh, on, the mat on the issues of government's response to the COVID-19 uh, pa pandemic. Uh, what I want to know, Minister, in your opinion, is the impact of such actions on government's um, efforts to walk the very thin line between lives and livelihoods? Because our the bottom line is that we want to save lives because a life lost is never regained. Then I asked Minister a question of the DG, which was... Um, I was not in your responses, and maybe it's considered to be an administrative matter, but we know that there are many industries that are under, under severe distress, but the sugar industry was in that state even before this pandemic hit us. So we, are, we know that you are very busy with many, many other tasks. But we ask you to please not forget that the, regu the, the regulations uh, expire at the end of June 2020. And that this committee had to note that this committee has been walking a very long road to expedite transformation um, in the sector. And we know that these regulations will allow for the inclusion of SAFTA into uh, full participation in the sugar industry. So um, just some thoughts on your part on, on that matter, please, uh, Minister. Thank you. Honorable McPherson. McPherson. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, the internet connection is not great. So if it cuts out, I may turn off my camera. Uh, a couple of things. Um, Minister, why are why are you not allowing submissions um, on the level three regulations? Uh, this would be out of step with what previously took place when we went from level four to level five, um, and there was a opportunity for submissions for for members of the public to make their voice heard. Why is that uh, being departed from in this instance, moving to level three? My second question is. 
Do you support the smoking ban? Um, there is a study that has been put out that shows that 90% of all smokers have continued to buy cigarettes during the lockdown, which means that the smoking ban has been totally and utterly ineffective and forced people to uh, buy cigarettes on the black market, uh, costing the government's uh, uh, ability to uh, collect tax uh, up to the tune of 1.5 billion rand a year. Can you take us through the rationale behind that and whether you believe that that is fair to retailers and to consumers uh, who buy cigarettes? My third question is, um, you have spoken about the ability to circulate money in communities, uh, particularly those of working class communities, why is it taking the department and yourself so long to enact Section 11 of the National Credit Act? And why are micro-lenders not allowed to operate currently under Level 4 if they service that lower income market? And will they be allowed to uh, operate uh, under Level 3? And then my penultimate question, personal care services seem to be a real outlier uh, in in not in not being allowed to work, these are hairdressers that are found in many communities uh, across the country. Um, they work out of their homes, out of garages, and and by and large, uh, you know, work to sustain uh, uh, their their families. What is the rationale behind behind not allowing them to work, uh, and how are are they more at risk than say someone working in a supermarket? And then finally, I note that uh, it seems like, and I say seems like because the regulations haven't been published and we know how these things can change, um, was the, the whole drama around the regulations around clothing and what you may buy and how you should market, display and wear those clothes, was it all worth it when you are going to be allowed to buy them any, and anything and everything now in stores in just under a couple of days' time. And I'd really like to know who came up with the, reg the regulation around uh, how you must wear your clothes, because I don't believe that it was the retailers that made that suggestion. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Honorable Thring. Is it Thring? Yes, Chairperson, then okay. Ms. Mantashi afterwards. Okay. Thring, Honorable <coughs> Thring. Uh, Thank, uh, thank you, Chair. Good to, to see uh, Minister Backen again. Um, just wish you well in your recovery, uh, but good to see that you um, are on that road. Um, I, I raised the issue in the last meeting with the DG uh, on the, the issue of beneficiation. And uh, one of the things that I asked for is, and I know that we spoke about the fuel cell plants and so on, um, but one of the things that I asked was whether we are able to get a comprehensive list of all of the beneficiation uh, programs that we actually have, as well as a list of projected benef beneficiation. Um, I think certainly from, from our view, um, we believe that in terms of the number of jobs that we are seeing lost, um, beneficiation is able to create, if we, are, if we beneficiate our raw materials, is able just to create so, so much more jobs um, if we have an intensive push in that particular direction. Um, my, my second question was with regards to um, the e-commerce, the e and it's, it's good to see that there's a, 
unlocking of the restrictions that were placed on e-commerce. Um, but again, maybe if we could just have some comment in terms of how do you see, where, where is that kind of going? Um, and, I, and I may have missed it, but I, I do think that it's going to be a section in level three, uh, you know, further restrictions uh, being removed with regards to e-commerce. Then I think my, my second, uh, third question would be with regards to the PPEs. Um, there's a huge concern, and you mentioned, you know, companies are now ratcheting up the, uh, the production, but I'm concerned about what's taking place within our schools in particular, where some schools are, um, from what we're hearing on the ground, refusing to open because they do not have sufficient PPEs uh, at the schools. The government has not provided, and I know that's a Department of Education uh, possibly uh, uh, mandate, but but this is this, these are the things that we're hearing on the ground. So what is the what is the communication, um, the seamless communication from DTI? Uh, C to education and so on to ensure that the PPEs are actually going to get onto the ground uh, where they are needed and how is that going to be done? And then I think finally, um, just I, I, I broached a question with regards to value chains um, that have been disrupted as a result of COVID-19. Um, and, and as a result, we have seen as a result of that disruption, another opportunity um, has opened just in terms of our investment and our partnerships uh, in Africa, and in particular with the Africa Free Trade Agreement. Uh, so how do you see that panning out, the opening up of new value chains uh, and moving away from those that may actually cause harm to the economy? Thank you. Okay, next one. Chair, Ms. Mantashe, followed by Mr. Mulder. Mantashe, then Mulder after. Mantasha, and good afternoon to the minister. Chair, we want to, to walk in the, in the steps of the minister in sending our condolences to the families of those people who have succumbed with the pandemic in the few last few days. Chair, I just I have a few questions, one or two questions, uh, that we are now going to level three. And uh, very, very difficult conditions. Much as we accept it, but our concern is that the numbers in some provinces are hiking. Chain. Uh, what, what, what does government plan to do? We, we want to know, Chairperson, when Minister talks of localization, I would imagine he, he also speaks to the benefit that small businesses. Uh, will have of, uh, what uh, what is the word that you re, what? Repurpose, which, which, which provinces have been given such a mandate to talk to companies to repurpose their businesses? Because I see unions are up in arms uh, because their members in hospitals do not have the PPEs including masks, Jay. has this been communicated to all provinces for small businesses to repurpose their business? And that would be my question, Chairperson. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Um, um, Mr. Mulder. Uh, Honorable Mulder. 
Um, thank you, Chair. Honourable Minister, it's good to see you recovered and back again. Um, I've just got one short comment and a, and, and a question. Um, when you appeared before the committee uh, the first time, uh, you responded to a, a comment that I made that indeed the future will look different than the past and, and what we've experienced till now. And I'm a person that believes that we live in the present and that we have to look to the future. Um, me and my party is not trying to, to create a better past. We can indeed say that the future ain't what it used to be. And that is what I want to concentrate on. I want to ask you if you're willing to engage with the Freedom Front Plus on contributions toward creating a better trade and industry future in South Africa. I believe we're going to have to spend a whole lot of time engaging on that in future. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you. Um, Chair, uh, is there can we yes, try uh, Mr. Mbuyani again, Chair? Oh, Honorable Mbuyani, I'm not sure if you available, connected, because I think um, we might be cut. Honorable Mbuyani? Honorable Mbuyani? Okay, so so let, let's proceed and uh, back to Minister. Minister, I thought it would be important that we actually just uh, make sure that at least we allow members to engage with yourself. And I'm sure you'll be able to take off where you end Yes, Chair. Um, is it Mbuyane? Yes, Chair. Okay, Mbuyane. Floor is yours. Honorable Mbuyane. Chair, may I ask Mr. Mbuyane to put it on the chat, Chair? Then we can um, forward it to, to the, to the okay. Minister. Okay. Thank you, uh, Minister. Can we actually ask you to actually uh, continue in the engagement as uh, questions and comments were made by members? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I, I'd like to, to appreciate the, uh, the uh, warm comments about uh, that the number of members have made. If I can go straight to the questions that were, were raised from Honorable um, uh, Motong uh, raised the question on uh, whether we monitor the infection rate in specific sectors and uh, how that compare with the general population. Uh, and the answer, Honorable Motong, is we are beginning uh, to, to look at particularly critical parts of the economy where it is absolutely key that we maintain supply lines uh, in order to yeah. save lives. Chairperson, thank you. Are you back? Uh, sorry, Minister, it's, it's uh, Honorable Mboyane. We are struggling uh, uh, to make a connection. I'm not sure. Mboyane, are you connected? If you are connected, can you actually speak? Otherwise, there was already an option made by Secretary to say, put it on the chat, we'll pick it up from there. But if you can speak, can you speak now? Sorry, Minister, if we can allow the member. Honorable Mboyani. Honorable Mboyani, second time. Honorable Mboyani, third time. 
we pass. Okay, I'll give him a call. Okay. All right, can we then allow Minister, can you proceed? Sorry for that. Uh, Uh, unmute, unmute, Minister, unmute. There we are. Thank you very much, yeah. uh, Chairperson. So I, I'd like to start with Honourable Mutong's uh, question by saying, yes, indeed, we are we are beginning to to uh, monitor rates of infection and critical downtime in key key sectors of the economy, and uh, uh, immediately when we uh, were in lockdown. Five uh, at that stage, we had not yet even called it lockdown five. We reached out to the food sector to begin to see the impact of infections in food supply and to uh, to get them to um, to to identify uh, risk measures that they can put in place to to lower infection and to ensure that we we maintain these supply lines because we all need food in the end. We need. Uh, medical uh, supplies to be, to be available. More recently, we have looked at um, sectors like retail, because that is an area where there's been a very significant uh, exposure of uh, uh, workers to, to, to people more broadly, to the public who come and buy uh, goods. And, um, and so in that, in that context, We've been trying to identify uh, where the hotspots are and and what is happening in the retail sector. The last data that uh, we looked at uh, perhaps a day or two ago uh, showed that if I just take the five top retailers, to make it simple, the, the big grocery uh, retailers, they had an infection rate uh, that uh, was quite significant in the sense that uh, more than uh, a thousand retail workers had been diagnosed as being COVID positive. And that was close to 10 times the rate of infection of the population as a whole. And it's because, and, and I want to, and I think it's an important issue to see as we move to level three, how we manage the risk issues. I have heard comments uh, from uh, from uh, 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 commentators that says, well, you know, as long as you, you, you do social distancing and um, you do hand sanitizers and masks, you, uh, you, you can basically address the risk. And it is true that these instruments are necessary because they help to reduce the risk. But the risk is still there as long as people are moving. And that is the, the hard lesson of uh, COVID-19 across the world. So if I take the retail sector as an example, in spite of the fact that they've put in place masks that workers wear, in spite of the fact that there is hand sanitizers being used and um, uh, that they're maintaining social distance, you still have a rate of infection that is almost 10 times higher than the, the national average. And with that comes the risk, of course, uh, that if we were to find that kind of level across the country, then it will place the healthcare system under enormous strain. For that reason, we've gone for a more cautious approach, valuing life, 
placing life at the center of what we need to do, because as Honorable Herman said so, so clearly, and I, I, I took note of what she said, that the life lost is never regained. For that reason, we need to make sure that we bed down our systems and that we move step by step through the different levels as we, we get a greater sense of preparedness by industry. Moving on to uh, Honorable Hermans's uh, questions. Uh, Honorable Hermans uh, raised the question of um, grandstanding in, um, uh, in the public arena. And of course, uh, grandstanding, I think, uh, as a phenomenon is well known in, uh, in society and in politics. Uh, sports uh, stars, when they uh, are in a, a football stadium, uh, will sometimes do a bit of grandstanding and get, get applause. But in our case, we're working with very serious issues. This is about lives and livelihoods. And I think all South Africans um, look to us as, as leaders in, um, in government, in parliament, in provinces, in local municipalities, to apply themselves diligently and, and constantly to trying to do the right thing. And, uh, and sometimes there are difficult choices that one has to make, uh, difficult choices that a, a household has to make, uh, family members have to make, workers have to make, uh, entrepreneurs and businesses have to make, uh, political uh, decision makers have to make. And uh, I would hope that we can do these things uh, and uh, and have grace and generosity as we, we deal with it. There are many things where there is no textbook and we'll, we develop the answers by learning from others. And as the president said, and I think it's important that we, we emphasize this, uh, no one has a monopoly of wisdom. So really my my appeal would be uh, grandstanding plays no role in saving a life and the temptation for the immediate soundbite and the quickly released press statement uh, fades after a while. But a life that is saved is a life that can contribute to the economy and to our society and to a family. So we, we really have to work together as a country on these issues. The uh, question was also raised by Honorable Hermans on the sugar industry, and the point is well uh, made, Honorable Hermans. As you know, that the uh, agreement originally uh, was due to expire the end of March. We did a three-month uh, extension of the agreement to enable us to uh, put in place the measures uh, that would indeed uh, help to put a five-year agreement in place. And so uh, I, I hope that the work that is being done with the sugar industry will enable that. If we have not completed the work in time, then we may need to look for another short extension, but we're certainly looking for a longer agreement and a longer term uh, legal framework for the sector. What underpins that is a recognition that the industry had enormous challenges before COVID-19. And so we worked hard last year. We had great levels of dedication from many of the, the uh, members of the 
uh, sugar industry, the small farmers, the larger farmers, the uh, millers, as well as the, the retailers and food users. And we've got a, a, a pact, a set of commitments that everybody has signed off on. And we hope to have a formal signing ceremony when all the lockdown restrictions have been, um, been removed and we're able to do that uh, publicly. But I am happy to indicate a, a high degree of consensus was expressed uh, at the meetings that we had uh, in um, uh, a few months ago uh, at the start of the lockdown and that the industry is committed to working together to address its challenges. Its challenges, it's a growth challenge, but it's also a transformation challenge because we need to ensure that this uh, viable, strong and dynamic small-scale uh, farming in the sugar industry and that we're also able to diversify the, uh, the industrial value chains into which sugar goes and to enable a greater range of crops in the sugar plantations and uh, sugar fields uh, of, of uh, particularly KwaZulu-Natal, Mpumalanga and, uh, and one or two uh, of the other provinces. So some consideration has been uh, given on both of those. And when we've signed the final agreement, I'm sure there will be an opportunity to brief the committee in detail on those. But your point is absolutely well made, Honorable Hermans, and we will we'll be dealing with that. Honorable McPherson has raised a, a, a number of questions, uh, starting with the question on submissions on level three. Honorable uh, uh, McPherson may recall that when we released a document as government for public comment, we did not just release the level four framework. We also released the entire framework from level five right through to level one. And while we were most keen to get immediately comments on level four, those were the most immediate ones, the uh, uh, comments uh, uh, were, were open for all the levels. And in fact, we received very significant comments from the public, from businesses, trade unions, uh, political players and others on not only level four, but also level three. And indeed, I should say level two and one. So we had an opportunity immediately at the end of uh, uh, level five lockdown to incorporate some of those insights and uh, comments and suggestions into level four. Uh, in, in a number of cases, these were done before the level four regulations were published. Some of the uh, suggestions were done subsequently with additional amendments to level four. And then a final set were done uh, at, in preparation for an extended level four. When we looked at the data uh, that I've indicated earlier in my reply, uh, the president and the command council was of the view that we could move more swiftly to level three. And in the light of that, we then took the public comments and we've taken them into account in fashioning uh, the level three approach. And so in order to move as swiftly to level three as possible, uh, we've been working now on the, the regulations. As soon as they are completed, they will be published and we will then be able to get uh, uh, an opportunity 
for companies to have some lead time uh, to prepare for the new uh, arrangement, which should come into effect from effectively the 1st of June. So I hope I've given a little bit of context that, in fact, the public comments that we received uh, went not only to level four, but also to level three. In addition to that, we've also had political parties giving us comments uh, specifically on level three. And these comments have, have also been, um, been considered and thought through by, uh, uh, by uh, ourselves. On the smoking ban, Honorable McPherson has raised the issue of the smoking ban. Uh, the president spoke on the matter and provided uh, a little bit of context on it. I am uh, aware that I am in a, a parliamentary process at the moment. And uh, as uh, honorable, honorable members will know uh, that uh, there is a long-standing convention in parliament that when a matter is before the courts, that we generally seek to refrain from reflecting on the merits of that matter. So I am advised that the cigarette matter is still subject to court proceedings. And uh, in the light of that, uh, I uh, am advised that it may be uh, more appropriate to uh, refrain from reflecting on the merit, uh, merits of that matter. And I'm sure honorable members will be aware of the, the guidance parliament provides uh, on these matters. In respect of uh, the circulating of money uh, in uh, communities and uh, the enacting of section 11 of the National Credit Act, we've taken into account a range of considerations. The first is for a number of weeks, we had been working to uh, encourage the banking sector as a whole to uh, extend terms to consumers and to small businesses using the exemption that was granted in respect of the Competition Act, because this allows re uh, the bank bankers uh, and other financial institutions to come together and agree on things like uh, repayment holidays uh, and, uh, and other measures to make it possible, number one, for people to obtain additional funding, and secondly, to, um, to have some of the, the burden of payment uh, stretched out to reflect the circumstances we're in. In addition to that, we recognized that the National Credit Act has two provisions. Uh, the one provision Honorable McPherson referred to, the other provision is the emergency loan provision. But before we activated that, we spoke to a range of um, uh, stakeholders on, on the matter, and we took into account the advice that was coming out. And the advice was that in a number of cases, banks were not holding back because of concerns with the National Credit Act. They were holding back because they were worried about the ability of consumers, small businesses and so on, to repay. And it's that realization that led us to work with the commercial banks and the Reserve Bank, uh, among others, to put in place the credit guarantee scheme, the 200 billion Rand credit guarantee scheme, that gives banks 
to some degree a greater comfort that they will be able to obtain uh, backing from government in the event that some of the loans that they make in the period ahead uh, is, uh, are not capable of being paid back. So that was for us the big change because that's where from the finance sector it appears the biggest challenge was not the provisions of the National Credit Act, but in fact the ability of consumers uh, to pay back. In addition to that, uh, in our consultation with the National Credit Regulator, they've brought to our attention some challenges with activating Section 11. And in particular, their concerns are that even in this period, one should avoid reckless lending that places vulnerable consumers at great risk to their uh, limited assets being, um, being uh, taken away from them uh, and uh, also places the system itself at risk. So the advice that, that they've given is that it would be more appropriate for the uh, emergency loan provisions to be utilized. Uh, and it's their view that it has the same effect, but it is more circumscribed and therefore it's more appropriate in the circumstances. And in fact, uh, last week, the National Credit Regulator issued uh, a, 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 a formal uh, notice, I think it's in the form of a practice note, to industry on the emergency loan provisions. So taken together, the support for small businesses that the Small Business uh, Development Department has put in place with strong support from uh, the DTIC and um, DG October and, and, and the team uh, and the DMs and I worked very uh, early on uh, to see how we could support that, plus the support that the banks are now getting with the backstop, the credit guarantee, plus the actions by the credit regulator that have been put in place now, uh, as well as the the uh, relaxation of certain provisions of the Competition Act to enable financial institutions to work together in uh, providing relief to, to uh, uh, indebted consumers and small businesses, as it indicates. All of these taken together uh, are now a, a significant response to deal with the problem of, uh, of support for for those who are vulnerable and to ensure that we circulate money in the community. And in that context, um, an honorable member had raised on the 1st of May whether the uh, uh, micro lenders would be brought into the framework. And uh, I'm um, really, uh, 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 I'm able to report today that in terms of the announcement that the president has made, the micro lenders uh, and microfinance providers uh, will be able to, to operate now in, in level three. On personal care services, Honorable McPherson raised the question that personal care services are something of an outlier as, uh, as he put it uh, in, the, in, the regulator, in the regulations. And he asked the question, uh, what is the rationale behind it? And uh, I'd like to start with the rationale. So first, not all personal care services are, uh, are covered by the, the limitation on activities 
it would be some uh, personal care services. So let me take an example. Those personal care services where there is not very close personal contact between the consumer and the supplier of the service would basically be able to start uh, on the 1st of June. Let me take an example of dry cleaning services. They would be regarded as personal uh, care services, and they would be treated in the same way as uh, is the case with uh, supermarkets. Because like a supermarket where you bring your food, you place it um, uh, uh, on the, uh, the, the, the area set aside for the cashier, the cashier processes it, and then you take your goods. Similarly, when you take uh, clothes to, um, to a dry cleaner, it's, it's basically the same logic that applies. Where we've had greater challenges, where the risks are higher, is for those personal care services that have to be rendered with physical contact between the supplier of the service and the consumer of the service. The best example would be things like those who do um, uh, nails and tattoos and um, uh, the cutting of hair, those kind of services. And the, what the president indicated on Sunday is that uh, a number of those services would not be covered in level three. At the same time, we are seeking to talk to those to companies and to entrepreneurs and to small businesses in that sector because we may be able to do some additional uh, health protocols and additional measures that can be put into place drawing on the international experience that would enable even some of those services potentially to, uh, to restart in level three. So it's really a, a collaborative approach to recognize there are potentially higher risks and that um, uh, many countries uh, across the world have, have grappled with how to deal with, with personal services. And um, it will probably work best to have a step-by-step -step opening of, of that sector. I think that covers the personal care service. Then uh, Honorable uh, McPherson raised the issue on clothing and he says, with the benefit uh, of uh, the announcement that has been made, he asked the question, uh, was it worth it? And he also asked, how did um, uh, it come about that uh, the list was generated? And I should, I should start to a person uh, with recognizing that there's been a spirited uh, set of comments, uh, commentary in the society on it, and uh, many sharp comments that have been made also on it. Let me start with the logic of it, because I think it's important that the rationale be is something that uh, we share, even though we've now moved beyond it. Uh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's it's an important. Uh, question on what was the rationale. Early in the uh, spread of the infection, we had uh, every uh, day or two, we saw a big spike in infection in the early days, uh, just before the lockdown was instituted. And the numbers were, were doubling every two, three days. 
from the experience of others elsewhere in the world, we recognize that if that exponential rate of increase was to be maintained, it would overwhelm the healthcare system. We would be today, where many countries are, with um, uh, tens of thousands of deaths uh, and uh, uh, enormous numbers of people uh, infected, and we wanted to avoid that. So South Africa followed a model of a, uh, we moved in fast, we did our lockdown much quicker than many other countries, and we went in hard. We did a harder lockdown than many countries did. And that was based on a, a concern that there's so much about the virus that we still don't know today, including the impact when uh, that virus spreads in communities with dense urban settlements, people living in um, informal housing without running water and without sanitation, and when the virus spreads in um, communities of, of persons who are HIV positive. And so we needed to take extraordinary steps to try to ensure that we buy ourselves time to deal with this. Now, the relevance of that on clothing is the following. The early decision was that the, the shops that would be open would be only those selling the most basic goods. And honorable members will remember in this uh, first um, few weeks, it was really just food and um, cleaning material and uh, healthcare products that were sold. And uh, later th this was uh, marginally extended to include uh, baby clothes and baby care products more generally. Uh, and uh, eventually uh, we, we needed to see what was the, the rest of the package of basic goods. And representations were made to us that um, with winter coming, it should include winter clothes. And the regulations then needed to deal with this. Now, we could take the view at the time to open all shops and enable uh, South Africans to be able to buy uh, everywhere. But because the focus then was on uh, flattening the curve of infection, slowing the rate down very, very significantly, uh, and, and given that it's people who spread the virus because the virus don't move on its own, it's the numbers of people who move that is the key metric. We wanted to ensure that the number of retail stores that are opened should be those selling the most basic goods. I'm told that the estimate of the uh, retail federation is that there would be something of the order of uh, 30 to 50,000 uh, uh, small retail shops and uh, places all over the country that just sells clothing alone. So as the, the, the onset of winter um, uh, began to, to manifest itself in temperature, the decision of the NCCC was winter clothes should be included. And that's all we did is to say winter clothes should be included. The challenge then came about that retailers themselves did not have clarity on what is meant by winter clothes. And our original approach was it really is left to them that just as we don't spell out many other things in the regulations, we leave it to them. Consumers uh, were faced with the, the challenge that different retailers were interpreting winter clothes in different ways. 
And um, retailers themselves were saying, well, my competitor is selling this. Is this um, uh, within the definition of winter clothes? So what we then um, did, we, we received a request from the Retail Association that there should be a common list that government publishes. And the Retail Association said to us, uh, we have an idea of what we think should go into that list. And they compiled the list, they sent the list to us, the list was circulated uh, more widely, we tried to secure the view of other stakeholders on the list. And in the end, that list, as had been developed by the industry, was simply given effect uh, by way of a regulation. It's not a list, I should say, of what people should wear. Government can't prescribe that. It was really an attempt to give clarity to retailers so that they have a common frame from which they work. We did something similar with uh, the uh, car sector. They wanted to have clarity on how to reopen retail car uh, sales. And we said to them, uh, we, we, we certainly would be keen to have your thoughts, your views on it. And they crafted a set of very detailed uh, measures of how um, uh, consumers would go about uh, getting to the uh, to buy new cars, what would be the position in showrooms, how cars would be delivered, all of that. And similarly, all they did was they presented it to us, we circulated it for, um, for any advice and comment, and we published uh, those, uh, those in the form of a direction. So I think in this one, uh, in, in um, uh, this instance, we've had to just um, uh, take it on the chin that there's been a range of views on the matter. That no, no doubt about it, we could have communicated better that this list is one that had been developed by the industry uh, to give greater clarity to competitors about uh, what is meant in regulations about winter clothing. And uh, I'm, of course, uh, Honorable McPherson, uh, delighted that we're able to open up uh, retailing more, more widely so that uh, we can get more economic activity going. But I do recognize uh, the greater risks. Now, one of the questions, Chairperson, that has been asked to us is, well, why didn't you just, uh, why did the regulations not just permit every retailer to sell whatever they had in their store? Why, why was it necessary to put particular products? And I think there were two, two challenges. The one is, in that period of the risk-adjusted strategy, the intention was to limit uh, movement of people out of our homes to the maximum extent possible, whilst recognizing the importance of people uh, getting all the basics that we all need, food and so on. And so given that, um, that logic and the, the need to achieve that outcome, uh, a, a limited list was published. Some retailers said to us, well, we sell food. Could we also sell clothing? Uh, because in our stores we have clothing. And it were other retailers who said to us, well, it would be extremely unfair if a store that sells both uh, food and clothing is open to sell clothing, but we who only sell clothing cannot do so. 
you will basically destroy our business, meaning it will have the impact of us having to close our businesses. Uh, many thousands of workers would be put in the street. And if anything, the impact of COVID-19 on livelihoods would be even worse. And so in matters like this, government tries to play a facilitative role. We heard all of the different points of view and we had to take, uh, take the view that um, uh, at the time uh, to enable one retailer to sell the full range, but limit uh, speciality stores from doing so uh, would, be, would be a challenge and would have uh, a direct impact uh, on, um, on livelihoods. And that uh, our, our, our objectives here is to try to save lives and protect livelihoods. So I hope that that uh, gives a little bit of context to the winter clothes issue and that um, we, can, uh, we can recognize uh, all of our learnings uh, from the experience and, um, and certainly um, take, uh, uh, take some of the, the public comment and the concerns uh, to heart. Honorable Tring, first, um, thank you very much for the, the comments that you have made. I think you've put your finger absolutely on a, a critical opportunity for South Africa, and that is beneficiation. We're a big uh, producer of raw materials for the world, and our raw materials go and produce jobs elsewhere in the world. It does, however, uh, take more than administrative fiat to be able to convert natural resources to manufactured uh, goods and to value-added goods, and therefore, your, uh, your request that we have a, a list of existing projects is one that I would, uh, I would like the department uh, to put together. And uh, if it is helpful, Honorable Ting, perhaps we even should have a session uh, of the Committee on Beneficiation. So beneficiation is really the process of taking any of the raw materials and adding value here in South Africa. So what have we done so far on it? You've pointed to the fuel cell technologies where we've supported the development of, um, of the platinum fuel cell technologies, and there are some pilot projects now underway. The key issue there is, can we get the price of energy that is produced through fuel cells to be uh, competitive with that of other technologies? And, and that's what the, the projects are about. I think they have shown that you can have uh, uh, energy generated from fuel cell technologies, but it's a cost issue at the moment. Japan has been leading thinking in what they call the hydrogen economy, using um, uh, fuel cells, among others, to reimagine a world in which fossil fuels play a significantly smaller role and, um, and the platinum value chain, among others, play a much bigger role. And uh, it, it it offers enormous opportunities for South Africa. But it's not only in, in platinum that beneficiation is important. By the way, on, on the platinum, South Africa is a, a producer of catalytic converters, which are the gadgets that essentially go into a, a vehicle's um, exhaust system and that ensures that the emissions are safer. And they use platinum, and we produce probably of the order of about 10% of the world's uh, catalytic converters. But more recently, Honorable Tring, we've been working on scrap metal as a key feedstock for foundries and elsewhere. 
and we introduced a number of years ago a price preference system to ensure that there's a greater use of local technologies uh, and or local scrap metal in South African uh, minimal steel minimals and uh, and foundries. More recently, the president uh, uh, announced that um, we will be looking at an export tax on scrap metal, and COVID-19 interrupted the process of working on this, and we need to get back uh, to it as quickly as possible. Coal, of course, is a big beneficiation program because a lot of South African coal is consumed, in fact, by ESCOM. Iron ore, there's more that we can do on iron ore, but there's also a range of other metals from uh, manganese and, and other products that there are opportunities for beneficiation. The issues are technology, capital, know-how, and, um, and, and product markets. So it is an enormous opportunity, and uh, I, would be, I would be really keen to, um, to engage further on this. If there's one area that we recognize, Africa has um, uh, not realized its potential as a continent, all of us, is we produce what we don't consume. In other words, we produce raw materials which goes to other continents, and we consume what we don't produce. In other words, we buy uh, finished products uh, from other parts of the world, and that has kept Africa poor, and beneficiation is a critical bridge to change that, as is the broader program of African industrialization. Coming to e-commerce, we opened e-commerce in level four uh, much more widely, and uh, in level three, uh, it will expand uh, even further. It's only prohibited goods uh, uh, that would not be covered by e-commerce, and uh, in level three, the key prohibited good would be the tobacco products that uh, one of the honorable members referred to earlier. So e-commerce comes with many advantages, and I have uh, set out those uh, both uh, to the committee previously and in public uh, statements. But there are challenges with e-commerce that uh, we do need to take into account, particularly smaller local players are concerned about um, the impact of e-commerce on their retail businesses. And if we look at the emergence of technologies, it is the wave of the future. But as, um, as public representatives, our job is to also help smaller players to embrace these technologies and to, to see how they can adjust to the waves of technology that is reshaping our world and that has done so for, for a century or more uh, in industry. On uh, schools, Honorable Tring, uh, our principal job has been to make sure that South Africa has the productive capacity to be able to, uh, to have uh, face masks in place. We've changed, you know, we've ensured that in the regulations, it makes it clear it can even be the face cloth masks and the uh, Department of Health has put on their website uh, even instructions on how we can make these face masks at home and I've been wearing face masks that people have been making at home, and, um, and they work well. But of course, uh, at schools, we also want to make sure that all children do have these face masks. As I indicated, the local industry's ability to produce face masks has been dramatically ramped up. And uh, we now need to just make sure that the procurement systems absorb those numbers. Honorable Mantash. 
uh, raised an absolutely critical point, which is the growing number of infections in uh, particular provinces or metros or districts. It is of great concern to us, and in particular, I looked the other day at the numbers of Cape Town, which is significantly higher than the, the next highest uh, district. So we do need to work very, very closely with local authorities and find ways of enhancing the measures that have been put in place. Obviously, what has been done to date is not sufficient, and the danger is that the healthcare systems can be overwhelmed and many people uh, die unnecessarily, preventable deaths. Um, and so our job in the period ahead would be to focus a lot more on the hotspots uh, going forward. Uh, spot on Honorable Mantash, that localization also has to focus on opportunities for small business. And I want to, to, to underline that because beyond the COVID, and, and perhaps it, it comes back to uh, a good point raised by Honorable Mulder, uh, uh, that the future will look different. And that, that different future, Honorable Mulder, is one that we're keen to engage. And thank you for your, your offer uh, of the FF Plus engaging with us on it. I would be, I would be most, uh, most interested to do so and to hear your thoughts on the matter, because we must learn from the rest of the world. We must learn from our public representatives. We must learn from our own experience, from our um, uh, manufacturers and uh, entrepreneurs, from our young people. So we really are keen to learn from, uh, from as many different sources as possible. But part of that different future that we envisage is a, an economy that's more inclusive. Many more small businesses many more young people, uh, black young people, white young people uh, who find opportunity in our economy. Uh, opportunity for women. Women are one half of society and they are underrepresented in the economy. More opportunity for black South Africans as black industrialists, as black um, uh, retailers, as uh, companies uh, in every part of the economy in which black South Africans have shareholding, have equity, uh, are owners of those businesses. And that's critical because COVID-19 has again reminded us of the fault lines in our economy, uh, that uh, those who are poorest have had to, to, uh, to take the hardest hit. And they are, uh, the, the cruelty of COVID-19 is that it has punished them more than others, uh, that they have less resources for healthcare uh, facilities and that they have less savings to draw on during this difficult period. And so the, the hopeful uh, South Africa that we, we need to work together across political parties, across uh, ideological positions, across all of that, it's really to build a South African nationhood in which everybody has economic opportunity. And that means government has to work hard on transformation that we need an economy that is more broad-based in ownership, but that is also more diversified. As Honorable Tring said, it can't be an economy that, does, uh, that simply exports raw material to the rest of the world. So for me, transformation embraces all of those different elements. And uh, the future we're looking at must be one in which those opportunities exist in uh, greater numbers uh, for all South Africans. Um, so I'm going to, to, uh, to recognize that 
some good ideas may come out of the engagement with Honorable Mulder and uh, the, uh, the colleagues from uh, the FF Plus. Uh, and similarly, uh, we will get, no doubt, very good ideas from other public representatives and uh, from, from South Africans. We've had some, some great examples of South African innovation where people have taken the, the challenges of this period and converted it to opportunities. So um, uh, I, I finally want to make sure that I spend a few uh, minutes in trying to find the question that Honorable Mbuyani had, uh, had put to us and um, uh, see if I can at least spend okay. uh, a moment of two yeah. on those ones, Chairperson. Okay. Min uh, Minister, can I just maybe suggest there are, there's a Mbuyane and there was also Yako. Yeah. Can I just allow them to give, give the closing remarks? Because remember, we're actually hoping that we have regular engagement. And I think for now, it will be important that I invite Yako just to be brief and then Mbuyane to be brief. Mbuyane first, uh, Minister, and then we take Yako. And then we will actually then have to make sure, because I see your time, uh, you actually, for your next meeting, that we don't actually have to inconvenience you. If you allow me, I'll ask for the two members just briefly, and then actually take the last word, Minister. Mbuyane. Chair, if I may, Chair. Yes. He's, he's, yeah, he's I've, I've seen uh, the questions on the screen now. I've been yeah, able oh. to, uh, to, to get there. So uh, okay. if I could go straight to Honorable yeah. Mbuyane's um, question. question. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So Honorable Mbuyane's question, as I understand it, uh, relates to transformation uh, in terms of the reimagined industrial uh, policy. Uh, and uh, he, he particularly wanted to see uh, whether we, we're looking at um, broad-based black economic empowerment and localization. And he also wanted to get clarity on the risk-adjusted approach that's, on the easing of the lockdown. Yeah. So on the yeah. uh, risk-adjusted approach, I, I think I've covered that now in my further reply that we are opening up much more widely. There is a more limited and smaller list of, of areas that are not yet open and that we will reach out even to a number of businesses in those areas like personal services to see can enhanced measures be put in place. For the large sectors of the economy like um, manufacturing and um, uh, construction uh, and, and areas like that, uh, that are opening up. We're also looking to see, can we get a series of sector uh, undertakings and commitments that will ensure safe workplaces and measures to limit the pressure on public transport. One example would be staggered working hours where instead of everybody in a, in a large factory starting at 7.30 in the morning, they may be able to have a portion of workers starting at 7, some starting at 8, and others starting at nine o'clock, so that the pressure on the public transport system is distributed across a wider, uh, longer period, and people don't have to be crammed into taxis, buses, or trains, which is where the risk uh, will be spread. We're also looking with companies to see where can they provide company um, uh, transport or work with local taxi associations to enhance transport for workers. 
These are the kind of things to to try to de-risk uh, Honorable Mbuyani, the, the new approach. On broad-based black economic empowerment uh, and localization, as I indicated in my earlier comments, they're quite fundamental. They're fundamental because even in this COVID-19 period, we have seen enormous hardship to the most vulnerable in our economy, to small players. And so while government has not taken the view that we close the door more broadly to supporting all South Africans, we also want to make sure that we are mindful of the, the particular difficulties and challenges that small players, uh, uh, particularly smaller Black-owned enterprises, are facing in this period, and that we mobilize both our resources as well as public sentiment to a buy-local campaign, to a proudly South African campaign that we support local players uh, actively and strongly. On the question that came from um, uh, Honorable, um, uh, I, I, th I see this a uh, question uh, from Honorable uh, Yako, which I, I would like to say, will the ministry do its due diligence in terms of oversight, or rather, how will the ministry do its due diligence in terms of oversight? Uh, to make sure companies adhere to health and safety rules. Honorable Yako, critical. So we're going to do it through a number of ways. The one is to work with the trade union movement. There are thousands and thousands of shop stewards across the country, and it's really to work with unions, and I have a virtual meeting with union uh, leaders later today where we are going to be talking to see how they can both uh, work to educate workers on it, but also to report breaches where companies are not following uh, the, the protocols and, and, uh, and see what we can do to support those companies to adhere because lives are at stake here. In addition to that, we have in the Department of Labor and Employment, there are workplace inspectors. The Minister of Employment and Labor has now published a set of directions of what is required at every workplace, and his inspectors are out there uh, uh, checking. So, Honorable Yako, where you have, where you pick up uh, examples of breaches or concerns, please do share them with us. They will be helpful in, in taking the matter forward. Uh, and, um, of course, there's also other inspectors that are available in um, uh, uh, at local level that can all be used to try to see how we work together. It's not a punitive approach. It's a collaborative, uh, flexible approach to see can we work together uh, to enable this. So there are risks, Chair, as I sum up in the period ahead. There are risks um, uh, in, the, in, in, in this period, but we recognize that we're going to be living with the virus for a long time until there is, in fact, uh, an effective um, uh, vaccination against the uh, virus, a vaccine that's been developed, and the systems to uh, to apply that vaccine to um, to everybody or to large numbers of people, uh, we uh, we will need to to manage with a greater uh, risk management in public transport and at the workplace in shopping malls and so on. I think that um, uh, we've been we've been really heartened by the strong support that uh, South Africans have shown. Uh, to the measures uh, in the different levels, and uh, much more uh, of the 
the the focus will be on creating safer workplaces. I hope I've been able to cover the most essential of the questions, and I have no doubt, Chair, that uh, there's more detail that I can provide in some of these uh, in future engagements with the committee. Uh, and uh, I do wish to thank the honourable members for for the uh, questions that were put and for this opportunity to um, uh, subject ourselves to the oversight uh, of uh, the uh, committee. Honourable Yako's point around the department playing an oversight role in industry, we'll also be following up a little bit more on the measures that we can put in place to, uh, to strengthen reporting and identify very quickly and early on the dangers and challenges uh, with infections uh, on the nation's shop floors. So thank you, Chairperson, for the opportunity and uh, for uh, being able to, um, to address the, the committee. I'm going to have to ask for leave of absence so that I can uh, get the system booted up for my next meeting that starts in three minutes' time. But I ran a little bit over the 10 to um, 2 because the questions that were asked were really uh, um, required a bit more detail than simply uh, a yes or a no. And I thank the, the members for the thoughtful questions uh, that were put. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the conclusion on my side will be precisely the point that we will be having to find more time engage regularly with your office minister so i think on those bases we'll say let's actually round up today's session and thank you for the time and be able to actually say we'll try and find more time to be able to continue the discussions that we are actually had today thank you very much for your contribution and then um, we'll then thank you and you can run in that three minutes to the other side. Maybe it's just switching on and off and, <laughs> and getting on the other side. Thank you very much, Minister. Okay. Thank and you. thanks to all the committee members. Okay. I, I agree. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Okay. Can we then actually move over to the um, Secretariat on the next item? Chair? Yes. Uh, Chair, we will proceed to the budget vote report. All members have received it. I think I distributed it on Thursday, the draft, the first draft. And in that, we requested that parties submit to um, the Secretariat any concluding um, remarks or recommendations for the committee to consider. Um, I only received input from the African National Congress chairperson and not any other member. I, I think I said... I did um, um, ask yesterday as well a reminder for, for, for other parties, but to date we only received from the African National Congress. I would assume other members will may raise it during the proceedings today. So, Chair, it's, uh, it's up to you how we proceed because we can put up the, 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 the report and then we can then go look at the recommendations like we did last time in concluding remarks and have a discussion around that, Chair. It, I mean, we're in your hands in terms of how we process, Chair. Well, I will actually suggest that we proceed by actually uh, putting up... We can be able to project the... the yes, Chair. Uh, yeah. 
So if you can actually project, but maybe we can ask uh, if ever there are comments from parties uh, in terms of actually um, the submissions on their side. But if ever there's uh, comfort that we proceed on the basis of what we have as a contribution, uh, then we can pick it up from there. Are there any comments from uh, parties on the um, submission in terms of uh, receiving and actually their inputs? If not, can I ask that maybe we go to the conclusion as projected and then maybe allow the committee to actually speak to that? Cheers. Um, if Margo can take it up to that, we can see the, I can't see the full first, the first item, Chair, if you can just move it down or up, whatever. Yeah. Chair, there is, this was, was, was submitted by the African National Congress. So they indicated the need to, to, to put something with regard to the establishment of the new DTIC. We've made a proposal, Chairperson, um, and obviously it's for the members now to look at that and see if they it, uh, um, support the way we put put it down, Chair, and we, we move from there and get other parties' input on that, Chair. Okay. So I think that's uh, point number one of the establishment of the new DTIC. Uh, if maybe there are actually suggestions from members in terms of what is uh, summarized. Um, can we actually take comments? If not, uh, can we then proceed from the point one to the second point? On the first one, are there any comments, honorable members? So if if uh, there's uh, no comments, chair, chair, can I check? May, may, okay. Can I ask? Yes. May I ask, I can't see, my chat is not working, Chair, so I won't be able to see which, if any member is raising their hand or anything. So I ask my other colleagues to, 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 they can see and to indicate to you if any member is raising their hand or one wishing to make a comment, Chair. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm sure, I'm sure that the members are able to see the projection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can I actually then check from honourable members say, if ever there's any comments on Point one, establishment of the new DTIC with the summary which you've got there. I'm sure you can read through that. Any comments? Uh, can I hear from uh, members? Chair. Yes, Chair. I think we must allow, um, Andre must identify who it is who's going to tell us if people have their hands up on the chat. Yes. Because it could be that there are things on the chat that he's not seeing and he's saying he's handing over, but he must hand over to somebody so that we know uh, who's handling the chat and the hands that are up. Chair, okay. I, I was assuming that all other three uh, colleagues, but I think if we can just ask um, maybe Sukwanda and Tenda who, who will indicate to us who is indicating they wish to comment, Chair, because Margaret okay. is not is managing the, the presentation. Okay. Can we then uh, uh, tender to Sukwanda, if ever there's anyone who raises their hand on point number one, uh, if there's no one raising Good afternoon. Yes. Uh, okay. Good afternoon, Chair, and good afternoon, yes. members. On my side, I am, 
I am looking in the chat. I have not seen any hand right at the moment. I have been looking in the chat unless uh, there's a member, unless I also have the same problem. But I am looking beforehand no member that has indicated that they yeah. to speak on my side. All right. So there's no hand uh, on the first point as uh, proposed earlier and discussed. It's agreed to. Can we take the second point? Um, same and actually the same, the same. Yeah. on point number two. Over the next three financial years, the budget allocation for investor financing program will decrease by an average of 8.1%. There is actually the summary conclusion which was discussed before. If ever maybe there's comments on that one, can I actually get members to comment? Can you see any hands of members? If not, can I ask that we move? No hands. Okay. Uh, item number three, because it, it, it was actually circulated, one assumes that uh, members did read through. Item number three, termination of the 12i incentives in a concern for That's the... Is a concern for the committee. There is actually the detail on that one. Is there a hand on this specific item? If there's no hand on this uh, specific item, there's no hand. Okay. Can we ask that we move to item number four? Ease of doing business. We did actually have uh, the discussion and the summary, which was actually. Uh, consulted. Let's see if ever there's anyone who wants to make a comment on this specific one, ease of doing business, as summarized below point number four. Uh, if there is a hand, can I be informed? If there's no hand, can I then confirm that we have no problem or issue on this item? We'll take the next one. Item four, agreed to. Can we proceed to item five? Uh, enhancement of the bees portal and rolling out to SMMEs through local banks. So there is actually the discussion we have and the summary at the bottom, item five. Do we have any hands on the item five? If there are no hands, can I actually ask that I look at the next one, item six, if we can move to the next item. Uh, development of the reimagined industrial strategy. There were actually um, discussions and we actually summarize as we have it at the bottom and uh, it has been circulated and, uh, to members. Uh, any hands? If there are hands, can I ask members to comment? Uh, if no hands, can I ask that we move to the next one, item number seven? Uh, if you can move uh, to item seven, uh, implementation of trade agreements that would grant greater access to the African market for South African goods and services. 
so there is actually an, a, an, a summary of the specific detail relating to what we mean by that. So if ever there's a, any suggestion or comments, uh, do we have any names? Uh, if there are no names or hands being raised, can we then proceed to item eight? Item eight, it's South Africa's stance on the WTO statement regarding export restrictions during COVID-19. It was actually summarized in terms of what it means and uh, for members, it was circulated. They have had a look at that. Is there any hands, any comments, questions for clarity? If none, may I ask that we move to item nine? Uh, if you can move to our next item, uh, invoking section 11 of the NCA. If I can actually check uh, if members have got any comments on that one. If not, I just want to check uh, if ever there are hands raised. If none, item nine is agreed to, can we proceed to item 10? which is compliance with BEE legislation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, there was actually an agreed summary and a discussion we had. Uh, are there any hands on this one? If not on item 10s agreed to, can we proceed no, to sorry. item? Yes. Yeah, no, I... the, DA the DA doesn't agree with uh, item 10. I agree with item 10. What, what is that? Okay, can, can, can I just say check and um, um, it's just not agreeing. Mm -hmm. We don't believe it should be there. Okay, I'm not sure if ever there's any further comments uh, from members that would yes. like to talk to this. Some item. other members may agree, but the, the committee does not welcome that. Certainly not from our side. So, so the DA yeah. doesn't really agree with that. Chairperson? Okay. Uh, yes, um, um, who's talking? Mr. Mbuyani. Oh, Mbuyani? Yes. Yeah, Chairperson, thank you very much. Uh, sorry, man, uh, this connection is uh, uh, earlier on, by the challenge. Yeah, no, we but got I all think the with regard, yeah. Yes, with regard yeah. to, to 10, uh, I think the compliance with triple B uh, it's it's in order, Chairperson, because it talks to the transformation policy of government, uh, and also <clears throat> uh, in terms of the management of the industrial development, I think it it, it is proper, Chair. Well, um, maybe you can just phrase that the committee with the exception of the DA. Okay, so you have an objection to that uh, uh, as the DA. So, but the committee is in agreement. Yes. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I think yes. I think this would apply to the ACDP because the ACDP's policy with regards to triple uh, BEE uh, is not the same as the committee's. 
Okay. So can uh, I just say Mr. Mulder, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mr. Mulder, chair. Uh, thank you, yes. Chair, um, giving me the opportunity. I just want to put on record that the Freedom Front Plus also objects to this. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So can I then say, let's actually note the, the objection. And uh, obviously, in terms of item term, it's actually agreed to. So parties which actually are objecting will be reflected as part of the conclusion of the item term. I'm Mr. sure that's agreed to. Chair, okay. it will be noted in the minutes of the of, of, of the of the meeting, Chair. Okay. Okay. No, thank you very much. Can we then ask to proceed to item eleven? Because item ten is agreed to with those um, um, reflection. Um, revision of budgets and APPs to factor in the impact of COVID nineteen. There was actually uh, a great summary uh, after the discussions we had. So I'm sure members are comfortable or are in agreement with the summary we have, because we actually had a bit of discussion on that. Can we then actually uh, agree with item 11 as the committee? That actually takes the conclusions and we actually have uh, recommendations. We can actually then look at um, recommendation. Um, it has got portfolio committee trade and research having considered the proposed 2020 budget vote 39 trade industry competition recommends that the house adopts the budget vote 39 trade industry and competition. The committee further co recommends that the house request the minister of trade and industry uh, sh should consider. I think there's a point at the bottom. If you can actually uh, scroll it, scroll us down. Um, can you actually? Yes, thank you. Uh, the item is engaging the Minister of Finance to enhance industrial and developmental financing to stimulate the economy in support of the reimagined industrial strategy as implemented through the master plans. So I think that actually then gives us the um, um, recommendation in terms of the uh, conclusions that we have gone through, which is actually what we suggest that the minister should be able to engage the finance minister. I'm sure that uh, uh, concludes the uh, report. And I'm sure for committee members, there is actually uh, agreement that we should actually adopt the report and then be able to proceed from the meeting. Secretariat, are there any specific Sorry. Yes. May, Mr. McPherson, I think, wants to raise a question, Chair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you know that, um, uh, well, sorry, you may not know, Chair, um, um, as you went in the Fifth Parliament, but uh, the the DA will take this um, yeah. to the um, to, to to the caucus for consideration. Caucus. So we will abstain. Thank you. Okay. Chair, Chair yes. may I? We I was going to propose that members or parties take this to the particular caucus, and we do not formally adopt it at this stage. But we have scheduled formal adoption on Thursday, so that all parties have the opportunity to take the matter to the to the respective caucuses, unless the committee 
um, is of, of a different view, but that's normally been the practice. It allows us to 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 affect the changes, Chair, and bring a clean document for formal consideration. Okay, so so do you have actually a sense of what the timeline if parties will need to actually then do the consultation? Yes. Because if you say we're going to, we have an opportunity or space, we'll speak about program now. Yeah. You say that we have opportunity, you say this coming Thursday. Yes, then Chief. we can be able to look at the time for parties yes. to consider and yeah. be able to come through on that. Okay. Yeah. Can I just check uh, from uh, members of the committee if you have any further comments on this specific uh, issue? Mantasha wants to speak, Chief. Mantasha, you're on the floor. Can I take your Mr. comments? Chair, I was rising, Chairperson, to say, let us as committee members do such a proposal that the, the report not be, to be adopted now, but uh, Secretariat goes and do the necessary amendments. And then we set another date for, yeah. for the adoption. And that would give other parties the opportunity to, to table it in their specific caucuses. Okay. And Buyane? Yes, Chairperson, thank you very much. Mine was just to say, principally, you are adopting the report. Uh, for the consideration of the report, uh, but we have been given a chance as political parties to submit. I don't know whether we extend it uh, uh, now the report for submission or uh, consideration in principle, considering the report what we have submitted currently and the changes that the secretary will amend, then we will move forward. So that will be my proposal. Okay, so it looks like you we can suggest that it's secondment of Mantasha to say Thursday when yeah. we reconvene, we can be able to actually then consider the parties formally, formally and then yeah. be able to actually get okay. the uh, decision on yeah. the report. Okay, so thank you very much. I think Mbuyane, um, I will say. Mantashe moved, Mbuyane agrees, seconding Mantashe. Thursday, uh, we will actually then consider for adoption formally as a committee. So okay, we, we actually can move straight to program. Yes, Because Chief. I think for the report, we actually have just uh, uh, agreed on how we manage that moving forward and noted some areas that might be important uh, yes, to consider. Uh, Secretariat? Chair, as a result of the, the, the ministers um, addressing the committee today, as well as the NA Programming Committee, there are some changes to the program, and we thought maybe we can um, um, uh, um, share with that with the members, Chair. Also, with regard to scheduling as well, Chair, there has been a, a template for it for the next two weeks, which indicate that the slots that we have on the program may not be the slot that the scheduling uh, as identified, but different dates has been given. So if Margot can just put that up, Chair, on the on the shared with us, and I'll can take members through the program going forward for next week, Chair. Okay. 
yes. If you can see, we we keep the technical infrastructure um, um, institutions for, for 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 Thursday as it originally was scheduled for, and we have scheduled formal consideration of the report chair for Thursday even the Thursday chair. Then on Tuesday chair we have moved ITAC that we would have had today to to the next Tuesday, and we'll also do the second quarter, the fourth quarter. Um, financial and non-financial performance reports of DTI and EDD, which we are required to do in terms of Parliament's performance plan, Chair. Then that will be the only meeting scheduled for, for, the, for the week of the 2nd of June, Chair. And if we go to the 10th of June, Chair. Okay. We are need to complete our oversight report, Chair. So we consider the first draft of the oversight report on on that day and on Friday we'll have a briefing by DTSC on beneficiation and localizations. As we can see the, the Wednesday and the Friday it was originally scheduled for for Tuesday and the Thursday but the scheduling indicated the slots given to us was for Wednesday and a Friday chairperson hence the change in the program reflecting that. Okay so uh, looking just 12 June that actually goes ahead as uh, proposed earlier. And then 17 June, it's actually the suggestion that we look at those. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is Margaret just move down or up or whatever? <laughs> move down, yes. Yeah. So we haven't received the formal scheduling of these, this particular week, Chair. So, but those are the proposals that we have in the on the program. For members to to consider chair okay there's 17 june 24th june and 26 26 is part of what we've spoken about earlier at some other point and then these ones highlighted in red it's what's suggested or proposed is that the understanding secretariat that's correct chair because we have to comply because we're dealing with the fourth a report, so we need to finalize that report before we the committee the parliament arises for the session, Chair. Okay, uh, honorable members, can I ask that uh, we uh, look at the suggested uh, uh, amendment of our program and uh, request that the members actually indicate uh, if they are comfortable for us to proceed with the implementation of the program as proposed before us. Honourable members, Chair, with those changes. Chair, can I yeah. propose that we proceed, uh, bearing in mind that we will remain flexible depending on what slots we are given by Parliament Thank for you. meetings to take this. Uh, Hermans, you moving. Can I check with other members of the committee? Chair, yes. I think. Is it Mutawum? Yes, Chair. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Mutawum. Can I check uh, from members if ever there's any objection for us to proceed in this way? If there are no objection, I will actually then uh, thank you for actually adopting the program and hoping that we will be able to actually implement it. If, when there are changes, we'll actually make sure that there's proper consultation and we get your support to help us actually navigate the program in this environment that we're actually operating in. 
Can I ask Secretary to cover there's any other issue you'd like to raise? Uh, but just, at this stage, yes. And, and just just to, re to remind members that the NCC submitted the responses. So we've emailed it to members, so members have the written responses of the NCC of last week. Remember, they didn't have a chance to respond to us verbally, and the committee agreed that they will submit written responses. It has been submitted, and it was forwarded to members. So members must just please note that they have it in their emails. Okay. No, thank you very well, much. Okay. Yes, let me hear this. Who's talking? We, we have noted, we have seen the email, but we have not looked into it yet. Yes. We received it just before we came into the meeting. No okay. problem. No, thank you very much. I, I just I wanted to make a request, Chair. Yes. Uh, yes. I wanted to request that to please forward to us the record of our attendance to committees. Oh, the, the, the register. Technically, that's what I mean, the register of our attendance of the meetings. Yes. No, thank you very much, because we don't get it signed or circulated, but I think in, in those calling of names, I'm sure you, you're correct to say we should circulate. Thank I'm, you very I'm much. Saying, I'm saying, I'm referring to 2019-20 financial year, Chair. SARS for tax purposes, Chair. Okay. For tax purposes, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Will, no, that's fine. Yeah, Chair. Okay. No, thank okay. you, Honorable Montesh. But maybe, um, uh, Secretary, uh, the request might actually be useful for all the members. All members, Chair. Yeah, all members of the committee, so that at least we don't actually have to uh, do it because someone has, but it's good information and it's appropriate and for, for submission, it's actually information that's required. Yes, Can Chair. I ask that we, we actually, is there any other issue you'd like to raise administratively? No, 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 Chair, not oh, from my side. I don't know, not from my side, Chair. Okay. Uh, in terms of the agenda, I think we have come to the end of our meeting. And uh, can I thank uh, all of you members uh, for your participation and our portfolio committee meeting is agent. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Bye-bye to honorable members and uh, all the supporting team. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Chair.